When I look at you, Jason, two words come to mind. Sales channel. I love when you objectify me, Nick. <laughs> but you know what? I am very much a sales guy, and I don't mind saying that. But I think you're you're leading into something else. Yeah, there's going to be a talk about sales channels with Steve Lesnowich at the manufacturing meeting. Yeah, he's actually one of the vice presidents at AMT. He's also a friend of of making chips. And I'm really looking forward to understanding more of what the direction of sales channels are going to be in the machine tool industry. You know, I actually have a, a history with Steve. He taught one of my first sales training classes for the industry like eight years ago. So I'm looking and forward to seeing Did you learn something? Yeah, absolutely. And he used a lot of Tommy Boy references, which is like the best sales. That sounds like ever. fun. So how do we how do we get access to the sales training from Steve? So you go to the mfgmeeting.com and you register on the website. The event is April 1 through 5, 2020 in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Nice. <laughs> Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jim Carr, and I'm joined in the MXD home studio with my co-host, Jason Zanger, and of course, Nick Golner. Hey. Hey, guys. Here guys. we are. Why, of course, Nicola. Why, of course, he, because... He only makes special appearances. I know, but he's been making quite a few special appearances lately. I know. Should we let that continue? I think we should. Yeah. I, I kind of like the guy. He told the weather really good last episode. He did. He did, as a matter of fact. the weather changed laid off. <laughs> she put me on sabbatical. <laughs> well, you let us know when you You are our remote correspondent. <laughs> you made me stand yeah. out in the snow for an hour to, to report on the weather. <laughs> No, we have a we have a great dynamic between. Th- Do you know that all three of us are from three different generations? Are you asking me if I knew that? Of course, I know that. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I think that's what is great about the dynamics of this trio is we all have varying degrees of uh, generational knowledge. I think it makes us unique. Yeah. I agree. So, you know the dynamic I like. What's that? Machine Nick and tool I are closer builder, together. Okay, right? machine tool builder, equipment builder. Tooling distributor and user. End user. Yes. That's another dynamic. It is. We got the industry covered. I know. We're the dynamic trio of manufacturing. Let's, let's do that. <laughs> oh my God. That was that was pretty bad. That's like the three amigos. Yes. Did they have that. a thing that they but did? But that implies that we're friends. That's yeah. true. <laughs> and once we put I the, wonder. When we, once we put the mics down, it's all over. As it is. So anyway, Jason, you know me pretty well, right? Unfortunately. Six years, yeah, something like that. And you actually gave me the insight to this show episode today, right? I did. You did. Can you answer these four questions about me? Is this a test? It is. Okay. Am I intense? Not really. Am I controlling? Very. Am I a workaholic? Yes, but you don't think you are. Am I a bad delegator? Very much so. Okay, Nick. And how would you, how would you answer those questions about me? It's not about you today. It's about me. This is my no, show structure. No, you always think it's about no. you. <laughs> no, this is about me. You're laughing because you know that's true. <laughs> no, it's my it's no. my show. I like to I like to answer these questions about Nick. Actually, <laughs> it's Jim's show. It's, it's, it's my show. show. He's gonna be really upset because he's very controlling. Am I intense? No. Am I controlling? I don't. I don't, I'm I don't not going to cry I, if you tell me I'm. I am. Well, I said yes because I know how you are at work. Yeah, right. see, that's the thing. I, you know, at making chips, you're not controlling. No, I'm not. Am I a workaholic? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Am I a bad delegator? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, well, I don't, we don't, I don't work, we don't work together. Tw- I think at making chips, he writes all the 
quote sponsorship forms himself. So yeah. I'd say yes. <laughs> I think we all all sometimes step up and do more than what we should. Okay, so um, let me ask you both this. Being that we've already determined the visionary integrator roles in in making chips, sure. would you think that these characteristics are more of an integrator oh, issue? Integrator, yeah, integrator. You're definitely an integrator. Yeah, you're definitely the integrator. So, so yeah. if I'm the integrator and I have these characteristics, you're just telling me that I have some characteristics that need to be mitigated down just a little bit more, right? Well, it, it, I would say if you get better at delegating and elevating, you would become a better integrator. Okay, interesting. So you'd be so, a better version of yourself. With that? I, and, I, and I say these things from the standpoint of like, I'm like kind of a recovered control freak, but one of the things that I recognize is that I was never going to grow my company if I held on to all of those things that I needed to let go of. Yeah. Ears wide open, buddy. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I read Traction because of you guys, and it's been profoundly well on a personal level too it's been it's been changing you know it's changed a lot well we're going to talk about this a little bit more into the main episode but before we move on obviously you feel as though that i'm a little too overwhelmed with these things i've been taking you on. do a lot of menial tasks right so that's why we decided we were going to talk about it today yeah but before I thought it was move, a good episode based, i think so too because you called me up i mean just to be so clear with the metalworking nation as we were traveling to our mxd studio you called me and you were no you like, called me first i called you yeah yeah i called you and you were almost in tears well because, i was not gonna <laughs> almost in tears because, you know, we're, we're supposed to record three episodes and you hadn't finished yours and you're like... I didn't even start it. Yeah, I know. And I was like, Jim, take a deep breath. We're going to work through this. He you, didn't say it like that, Metalworking Nation. But don't cry. Yeah. I will help you. Okay. And I gave you an idea. And I And said, like a good visionary, I gave you an idea. And like a good integrator, you're like, boom, I'm going to make this happen. And I did. It's amazing so, how it works. So boom. And you and yeah. Nick put this together. Boom. boom. No, Nick boom. didn't help me. Oh, he I did didn't? it myself. Okay. I'm going to take my You my know, boom. I, I even suggested some news and he came up with yep. his own I Well, of course he did. He's very controlling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I poo-pooed that idea. But anyway, let's talk about what's going on. We're going to talk about some tips about those four different characteristics in, in, the, in the show structure. I mean, how to get better at them. How to yeah, become a better exactly. version of your yeah, yeah. Of your Absolutely. Well, identifying them first to see if you truly are, portray any of those, and then how to mitigate them. But before we get there, let's talk about what we're doing at our businesses. Anything new and exciting this week that you should want to tell me about, Nick? Just got back from Detroit. I'm home for a week. My next trip is in Germany. So I'm... That's cool. Yeah, I'm going with Shank to visit their headquarters overseas, and I'm really looking forward to that. Might catch a day of skiing. That'd be very cool. Are you a guest of theirs? Yeah. Well, okay. we partner with Shank all the time. Okay. What is the objective of the, the travel there? Just to kind of meet their... Also, oh, there's not going to be a conference or anything. It's just a social business. I'm going with a friend who, his name's Michael Gantz. He runs stationary work holding for Shunk in the States. And okay. he's going over there for a week to do all sorts of strategic planning. I'm going to join for one day and meet his counterparts over there. And then I've got some other partners in Germany that I'm going to visit. And Well, you've got family there too, right? Yep. Yeah. I may, may check out the new place in Austria. We just built this extension on our home in Austria. So I'm, I'm really hoping to get at least one day of skiing out, out there. Nice. Can Good I come job. with you? Yeah. I would love to go back to Germany. Let's go. I'm not going to go. So what about you? What's new with ZB? We are starting to see some of the like the fruits of the 
integration work that we do start to pick up steam with some of our customers. So we, we do vending and integration. And when I say integration, we actually integrate like our processes in our clients' operations such that we're transferring data back and forth and stuff like that. And we, we did a good job of this with a recent client and they're going to be giving us 100% of their business instead of 50% of their business. And so that's going to be good for us in the long run. So it just all the hard work that we put into this particular client is going to be, we're going to be reaping the rewards of that. So that's that's a really good thing. And they're busy and, and doing great work. So I'm great. excited about that. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Appreciate that. How about you? Just quoting is up. We got three new customers last week. We're moving more into aerospace and space and exploration clients, uh, aviation. It's a little grueling, quite frankly, dealing with the big boys. There's a lot of requirements that are a lot of hoops down. you got to jump through. A yep. lot. Let me tell you, it's a whole new world out there for me. But and not-, not only does Jim jump through the hoop, but he holds the hoop while he's jumping yes. through it. <laughs> I, I get it. I'm getting it now. But before we solve those issues, Nick, question. Do you know okay. how to make a margarita? Yeah. Okay. So I was get, a bartender for a while. I'm going to walk through this mentally. You tell me if, you, if I miss anything. Okay. So you take the margarita glass, you take the lime and you hit the rim. I'm sitting back. Okay, right? go ahead. You hit the rim with the lime. Yep. Then you flip it over and you get salt on the rim. Kosher salt. salt. Yep, exactly. You fill it with ice. Okay. Fill the glass with ice. Yeah. About two parts tequila, one part maybe Contro or triple sec. Good. Lime juice. Okay. I don't like to use sour mix, so lime juice, okay. splash of yeah, orange sour juice. Mix is yucky. So I do lime juice and then like a little splash of orange juice and that's a pretty good margarita. Shake. Well, yeah, you could. Yeah, you shake, you shake it, it. You shake it, and, and then, then pour it back in there. Strain yeah. it into that glass of ice with the salt in the rim. Yeah, and put out uh, what kind of garnish? Probably just leave the lime. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Great. Good job. Yeah, Nick. I kind of remember. Yeah. And Jason, do you know the correct way to pour draft beer? If I you suppose, don't, I have the correct. I, I suppose answer. that you would have both the cup and the can or the bottle both at like a ninety degree angle as you're as you're pouring it into. May it, so May I read this? Am I close? You said draft. Well, every, oh, you a said draft. draft. A draft. Oh, yeah. A draft. Oh. Well, I would I would suppose the same thing where you would you would have the glass at an angle, uh-huh. and then you would probably kind of turn it off at the end in uh-huh. order to get everything yeah. in there, so you okay. don't have too much bubble. Yeah, this is perfect. This is right. For you, what the first thing you do? Use a clean glass. Oh, of course you right? do. Right? Yeah. Because a dirty glass containing oils, dirts, and residues from a previous beer may inhibit head creation and flavors. You know what the dirtiest glass is? What's that? The one that you use previously. Pro- oh, God, without a <laughs> doubt. Hold the glass at a 45-degree angle. Uh, you know, yeah. So if we're talking 90 about doesn't make sense. It, yeah. No, I know. I wanted him to just like go. <laughs> no, you know. we're talking about like, you know, the way that can you I, measure that I, angle. So I think I was right. Pour the beer targeting the middle of the slope of the glass. Don't be afraid to pour hard and add some air between the bottle and the glass. At the halfway point, bring the glass at a 90-degree angle and continue to pour in the middle of the glass. This will introduce the perfect foam head. And remember, having a head on a beer is a good thing. It releases the beer's aromatics and adds to the overall presentation. You may also want to gradually add distance between the bottle and glass as you pour to also inspire a good head. An ideal head of foam should be one to one and a half inches. Did okay. you know that? Okay. No, I didn't. Okay. I didn't. Is this and a Making we, Chips podcast? Yes, it so, is. Okay. And why I'm am I, why Let's make this a quick episode so we can go have a beer. Why am I talking about this, Nick? Because of our party. Yes. When is a boring our, party. When is our boring bar party? When are we going to no, be... No, it's just, it's the boring bar. It's the boring party at the boring bar. It is. <laughs> and that, why are we having it? 
to celebrate the grand opening of the Making Chips studio and offices. Yes, and when is the date, Nick? May 14th. All right. Where is it at? Rockford, Illinois. We don't have an address yet, but we will soon. And what does the Metalworking Nation need to do to get a ticket to this grand opening celebration? Just email us. Yeah, and we'll put them on the list, right? Yep. Right. And how do they subscribe to the weekly boring bar to get in their inbox? You visit makingchips.com. You click the subscribe button. Give us your email. We will only send you Making Chips content. And that's how you can find us and Great. get in touch I with us. I got another way, too. Just pull out your uh, device. I'm doing it right now. Yeah. He already was on his device texting. I yes. <laughs> and text the word chips, C H I P S, to 38470. I'll say it again. Siri text chips to. Three eight four eight four seven zero. Boom, you're done. I did not get that. <laughs> That's what I always get. Here's your message. Ready to send it? Yes. She did it correctly, actually. Wow. So right. that's another way that you can do it. I wonder if it. Google can do it. Good job delegating. I'm sure she can. Yes. <laughs> I am very good. Look, and I got my autoresponder. Here it is. Nice. It says, hello, thanks for becoming part of the Making Chips Network. Please reply with your email address so we can get you set up. Wonderful. What do you know? It's working. Text stop. Bear, thank you for doing that. And see how easy that was, Metalworking yeah, Nation? You, Boom. you don't even have to do it. You just ask Siri to do it for you. Yeah. Delegation at its finest. <laughs> and that's what we're going to be talking about. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about five manufacturing revenue growth actions we all need for 2020. And this is from manufacturing.net. Would you happen to know what one of those might be? Five revenue growth actions for 2020. Yep. I would say one of them, I read a whole book. That of was that, that, that was about this, and it was actually done by an author that I have a personal relationship with, and he wrote a great book. We should have him on the show sometime. I would say one of them would be calling maybe past clients, asking them for referrals, or finding out why they don't do business with you anymore. Eh, not on the list. Well, it's still a good tactic. I know. No, I agree. <laughs> he just wanted to buzz you. <laughs> <laughs> he was really nothing brings with Jim that one. joy than to try to like prove me wrong. Wrong. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I'll just share them with you. Confirm a growth strategy, which is what we all do. We do that in making chips, right? Yep. Through our ERS. We yep. set quarterly and annual growth strategies, right? Mm-hmm. Vision yep. for the company. What if I were to tell you that's wrong? I don't believe it is. I mean, I guess it could be Just wrong, but no, it's, it's, a, it's a great way. It's a great way to set a no vision. No buzzer went off no. on that. Yeah. One. Yeah. Two, appraise the current value proposition. So what is your value proposition for your customers? Yeah, right? that's actually customers. one of our rocks for this year. Yeah. We're actually going through a... Yeah, um, I think you need... We actually have a tactic for, for doing that, which we could do a future episode about. It's, yeah. it's pretty... It's kind of profound. It's, e- it's the most easy, profound thing that you could do. Yeah. Go ahead. So I said profound today three times, and now you're saying it three times. Oh, really? Well, yeah, you are. You want to hear our cop- value proposition? You're copycat. We got this one figured out. So for our workholding group, we're accommodating, comprehensive... And shop tested. That, oh, I are, like that. Are, I, I think you call those like your three uniques. That's your three unique. It's not really your different. value yeah. proposition, yeah. but I, I, I just wanted to like inform you that I did get my three uniques finished. Nice. Thanks for distracting <laughs> us, Nick. Go on, Jim. <laughs> Inspect both pipelines. I really don't know what that means, and I, I could look at the article and find out. Manufacturing leaders need to effectively manage two interconnected pipelines. One an opportunity pipeline, and two, a product development pipeline. Now that's that makes good. sense, right? Yeah, I don't think a lot of manufacturers are developing their own products, but it's definitely something to think about. Four, evaluate talent of the first-line sales managers. 
So that would be, I would say, just look at your sales managers, evaluate the ones that's leading, your leading one. It says the first line sales manager, an acronym, FLSM, is the most important job in the entire manufacturing organization. Recognize that these individuals are the connection between the company's strategies and the execution in the field. That's like exactly what I just got done doing in Detroit. Yeah. So I travel with all my regional sales managers yeah. and go on customer calls with them and see how they do. And, uh, and you're so rating At least I'm them. doing one thing right. Yeah. yeah. And lastly, fix the parts of the sales compensation plan that are broken. I'm definitely not doing that right. Let's see what they, what they mean about We're that. We're working on our bonus incentive plan for not only our sales staff, but also for the entire team. And I actually batted a lot of ideas back and forth with Phil from Orbit Forum, who was on a past episode of, sure. of Making Chips. Yeah. So. It says, know that sales incentive compensation is one of the most powerful and dangerous alignment tools in your kit. Used properly, it ensures strategies and jobs aligned to seller behavior. If there are obvious broken elements, artificial pay caps, or inappropriate metrics in the current plans, use this tool to send a signal to the sales force that sales compensation matters and that you are investigating the pieces that are broken. So that makes a, a heck of a lot of sense to yeah, me. Yeah, this one book I read said compensation and complacency start with the same four-letter word. Mm. And it's like, if you feel like you got complacent salespeople, you might need to look at how you're compensating them. Mm, interesting. Good ways to plan for 2020. Things that we haven't really talked about. Yeah, I think it was a good good article, man. So let's get into this, Jason, because you you really did send a signal. I mean, I had the aha moment when you mentioned that this morning, and that's I'm not really wishy washy about things. It sounded like a great idea. There's no question. I've been feeling a lot of overwhelmed on a personal and professional level lately, let's just say 2019. Well, as your personal unpaid life coach, I'm happy to help you through all of these things. Thank you. I know you do the same for me. You pay me the very competitive wages of $0 per hour. Yes, I know. Well, that's that's the way it goes. I'm always here to help. I know that. I know that. (laughs) So in an effort to learn some new techniques and to minimize some of those habits, I, like everybody else, went to Google and found these answers. So the first one was delegating. You had said delegating and elevating. So it's a, what I found was use the following principles to delegate successfully. One, clearly articulate the desired outcome. So there's the outcome. Here's the problem. How do we get there? What you want to do is you want to you want to tell somebody what you want to accomplish. You but don't want cl- to you have to concise. You can't be you can't mm-hmm. just No, give what them- I'm trying to say you you don't want to tell them how to get there. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people have different ways of doing things. So you want to just go to somebody and say, this is my desired result and be as clear as possible, like you said, on what you want it to look like. But you don't have to necessarily tell them how they need to figure it out. You know what I mean? Focus on the outcome, not the output. Yeah. Boom. There you go, Nick. Two, clearly identify constraints and boundaries. Yeah. So one of the constraints could be your own delegation. So like one of the mistakes that people make a lot of time, they're like, I'm so overwhelmed and I need to delegate things. And then they try delegating like 10 things all at once to the same person. And that does not work well. You got to do it piece by piece. Three, where possible, include people in the delegation process. Well, well of course you would. Of course. Yeah. Well, the fir- before you actually delegate anything, you want to find out if you can automate it. 
Right. You I would know, say automation. Like try to do, uh, try to automate automation something. over delegation. Yeah. For sure. Oh, let's try to automate something. Yeah. That would, that should be the first thing that you that you think about is like, can I automate this as opposed to delegating to somebody? So, like for example, if you are having trouble finding the time to follow up on like your past due invoices, like collections or something like that. So you, one of the things you could think to yourself is, well, I have to train. Jim, I know you probably do that for your company, and you might think to yourself, well, I need to hire an admin to help me with that and a bunch of other stuff. Well, the first thing you should ask yourself is, can my ERP system do it for me? And a lot of times the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And I know with my system, I can just program it to, to do some of those things and create those emails and send them out. And so that should be the first thing that you ask us is how can I automate this over actually delegating it so that you can actually take the right things and delegate. I actually have a, a decent example of delegation and automation from last week. I hired a customer success specialist and, and he helps all of sales and marketing and service with, you know, just get the information they need. And I put together, like, here's what I want to see on all the different sales reports for every region, for every product group. And I want to see everyone's calendar. I want to see this. I want to see that. And right now he's compiling all those reports manually. And it's going to take him a ton of time. And I know there's a way to build, like, an automated dashboard that just produces these reports every other week. And I'm hoping that he discovers how to build those dashboards. You know, I'm going to kind of guide him there, but I don't know how to make the dashboard. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to do it for him. No, you can't. He's going to learn like, okay, I got to do this manually and it kind of sucks doing it. There's got to be a way to automate this. Right. And that, that's the outcome I really want. It's just an automated dashboard. Right. That's a, that's a great idea. Yeah. That's awesome. Four, match the amount of responsibility with the amount of authority. So yeah, I mean, there's all different kinds of authority levels that you can you can give people, or you know, you well, can call them authority levels or delegation levels. So you could be like, okay, I want you can't give a new hire your login and password to your Chase account to pay the bills, right? I get it. That's well, you could, you could, you, you could, could you, but you, it, you're not matching the responsibility with the authority. Well, what I was going to say is like you could delegate to somebody and be like, there's different levels of delegation. So you can go to somebody and say, I want you to pay all my bills. And you can be like, that's just open-ended. I want you to take care of this. Or you can go to them and say, this is how you pay bills. This is who you prioritize. You know, so there's different like kind of levels of authority level of a way that you you delegate it to people. And you need to really systematically think through those different levels. So like in, in the example of, of the kid I was talking about, he needs to show me that my sales guys are logging all their calls. And if they're not logging their calls, he doesn't exactly have the authority to kind of get on their case about that. Yeah. He, he brings that to me and I can say, hey, guys, you really got to log your calls. Ethan ran your report and nothing showed up on it. Don't they log their calls through the CRM, HubSpot? Yeah. Well, our CRM's in Global Shop now and that's what okay. we're launching. So uh, we're trying to relearn, okay, well, now we're not doing it in our former system. We're doing it in our new system. And yeah. Got to make sure it gets done properly. So. Yeah. So the next thing you, you said is... Delegate to the lowest possible organization. Am level. I controlling? And you, you didn't seem to think that I was controlling, neither did you, Nick. No, you are very controlling. Oh, you think so? Yeah, Jason thought so, and I... I I don't know. You're super controlling. As far as making chips, it doesn't feel like you're really controlling. That's funny that you say that. Well, because you won't delegate these tasks that are menial tasks that you shouldn't be doing. Okay, it's funny. Four ways to stop being a control freak. One, let go of your ego. Yeah. Take yourself down a notch. You're great, but so are others. So I'll, I'll go to you on that, Jim, because you would think to yourself, okay, so as it relates to making chips sponsorship quotes, you're the one that always sends it out. And you're like, well, nobody's going to make it look as pretty and nice and write as nice of an email. As, Clear as, and as, concise as a, is a better a, word. 
well, whatever. No, you just don't feel that anybody's going to do it as well as you do. And that's a problem because then you're never going, your cup is always going to be overflowing and you're never going to reach a level that you desire because you're always going to be trying to micromanage. Yeah. Yeah. Or just doing it yourself. You have to share the spotlight and let others use their skills. Believe it or not, you're not the best at everything. No, I yeah. agree. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is good. This is yeah. great. Two, delegate to others. Start small. Train people how to do things if they aren't familiar. See what it feels like to rely on others to do the work. And enjoy how good it feels to watch them blossom with the added confidence you've shown in them. Three, acknowledge you can't control everything. Give yourself a break and learn to go with the flow now and again. Yeah, so you need to... Once you see everything works out fine or just fine without your intervention, you'll get more comfortable with the idea. Yeah, I mean, you need to have a culture of or be an accepting of, of people making the right mistakes. So sure. you need a, there's certain mistakes you, you don't want to make as it relates to like, you know, the quality of products and stuff like that. You should have a, a QC process for that. That's not what I'm referring to. No, no, no. But no. you know, there's other things where people need to stumble over tasks and for you to be able to correct them. And that's kind of part of the process of them learning. But at the same time, you have to have the right way to teach how to do something. One of the things that we do at Zengers is that we, we create videos for delegating tasks. Oh, really? Yeah. So we'll create like we'll use you mean like, like a like a training video. Like a well, yeah. It, oh, it, it like trains you told how to do April something. how to do something. Yeah. So oh, like so okay. like right I now. You mean. Yeah. Like so like right now, Lisa at my office is creating videos to delegate certain routine accounting tasks to April. Yeah. And she, I went to Lisa and I said, so create a video and talk over the video as you're doing the thing. You're explaining what you're doing yeah, she's while, clicking. while she's clicking through all yeah, the yeah, stuff. Yeah. And she was like, well, I don't like my voice. I'm like, okay, we'll come up with something else. No, I was okay with that. If she yeah. doesn't like her voice and she doesn't like to hear herself, that's fine. So what she, so she, it was her idea. She came up with the idea. She was like, okay, well, instead of talking through it, I'm going to put subtitles. So it's going to be a mute video, but then she puts subtitles under it to explain what she's doing. I was like, okay, that's fine. If, you if can you want upload to do that, the video right to what I, Pablo told me I don't about even know it. how she did it. I don't it's know how she did it. You're talking about Rev. Yeah. Where it puts the subtitles on there for you. Exactly. I don't know how. I, I'm, it costs I'm like not, 10 cents. But I, I'm not even coming up with a solution for her. Right. For it. Just said, she, wanted to, she wanted to do subtitles instead of her voice. And I said, that's fine. Just do the video as long as it, you're able to delegate it in a controlled quality process. Right. Then that's fine. We're doing the same thing for our sales guys on how to use this new CRM. And they love it. They just watch. It's like how to fix your refrigerator. You know, you watch a YouTube video and kind of follow along. It's how, every, well, it's how everyone's learning nowadays. We, exactly. We talked about this at the... Kuma Think Conference where they were they were talking about how they're integrating PowerPoint presentations into right, um, yeah. the screens yeah. on on their machine tools. So as it relates to machining a particular part, there could be steps in the process that are not native to the normal Akuma controls, but that they can tr control those things through this PowerPoint presentation. It could be flip the part over and fixture it this way. Mm -hmm. you know. But now they're controlling the process instead of that being in somebody's brain, and then it, they have the opportunity of not doing it correctly the second time, or if you need somebody else to do it, you have that process that you can delegate to somebody else. So this goes from back office stuff like accounting to even the shop idea. level for a machine. That's a great idea. I, I'm already thinking about ways I can automate that process already yeah, by, and by using that. Yeah, and believe it or not, there's actually software out there where you can put together a, a lot of these step-by-step -step processes to control. I mean, EOS has a term for this. It's it's FBA. You want 
want to have all of your processes uh, documented. FBA means followed by all. So if you do mm-hmm. something, it's followed by all. So everybody does it that same way. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I don't remember that chapter, but regardless, yeah. whatever. You didn't actually read the no, book. No, I did. did I did. I read did it. Did you read a summary? No, I read the whole thing. I really did. It was it re- you watched Nick, a YouTube tell me. video. Was it really an FBA in there? Yeah. Document it's documented and FBA followed yeah. by all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, the last one he is didn't com- read the book. Yes. <laughs> Completely give up one control in one small area of your life. Completely give up control in one small area. So just area. like stop driving. Yeah. Tomorrow. I do that when I'm on the highway. Yeah. <laughs> like Jason with did with car. his new Tesla. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know what Taking I'm going to give up pretty soon? What's I'm going to give up email pretty soon. Oh, you should. No way. You can't give up email. No, he's going to start texting more. <laughs> oh my gosh. You'll I just know. drive everyone nuts. Okay, so, what, so how do you stop? How do you stop your workaholism? By just implementing a, one or two or three of those simple tasks. Just reverse the process, right? I think workaholism is deeper than that. I think that that kind of goes to like the core of your being and you need to like really either something happened in your life that corrects you as far as your workaholism or you need to make sure that you don't have that idol in your life because that sure. ends up being what, what it is. I don't you know? think, I wouldn't see Jim and think, you know, you asked us workaholic. I think you work really hard. Maybe, maybe you work yourself too hard sometimes. I do. But you also know how to relax. I do. I'm going yeah. on vacation. Well, when he goes on vacation, though, he's, you you work. Every I do morning. work on vacation. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I do. So that's sometimes what I'm I can't about. relax unless I get a, like an hour in. Me too, know, Nick. Just a quick exactly. But is there some? Is there anything wrong with that, Jason? With he's looking at us like yes. I mean, I've done it, so I'm not gonna. You but know. here's the thing: I enjoy working. I enjoy it. It gives me pleasure. It gives me pleasure to complete a project. That's what a I agree, would but say. there's yeah. that, I, I know, <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. Like a workaholic. Yeah. But is it bad? Is yeah. it a bad? Just thing? like an alcoholic would say, I love wine. Oh, alcohol. you know what's a yeah. couple? What's a couple drinks yeah. gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, this is this is a deeper, longer conversation. I think we should talk. Maybe even let like me, a, let me tell you, I'm a probably conversation. Not, <laughs> I'm not the only other manufacturing leader out there that's going through this. No, right? and, you, and you know, I work hard, so this is not like a matter of like working hard or not working hard. I mean, I think to a certain extent, I probably work too hard as well. Yeah, but it's it's a gray area. Mm-hmm. Nick just highlighted: if your work is something you love, something that excites you, that's great. You're better off than most, actually. There, but there's got to be more. Who else gives you joy? Do you have hobbies you love? Do you like doing anything outdoors? Do you have family members or friends that you love? Yeah, I mean, I get that. No, I, I mean, we and have. I do. I mean, your hobby is almost making chips at this point because, I mean, like, this is what you do outside of right, um, but car machine and tool. I, I mean, and this is different than your normal. I just thing. I just went away last weekend with my son. We had a great time. Yeah. We spent all day, you know, hiking, and it was it was awesome. So, but yet. You're right, Nick. I do like putting in an hour a day on some of those off days just to make me feel like I'm keeping up. Yeah, just to check a few of those boxes so you're like, all right, now I can chill for the rest right, of the Right, just a couple of those tasks, let's push them away. Otherwise, I feel like it's hard catching up, but maybe that's the delegation process. But I'm going to move on because I don't want to get this. So you said something about being intense, right? Yeah. So just to be clear, like when, when I came up with this whole notion of intent, I was, I was actually thinking of myself too. So Mm -hmm. like, are you a bad delegator? Are you too intense? Are you a workaholic? And what was, what was the last one? Intense. Well, did you well, say intense? Yeah, I said Delegator, intense. Delegator, intense, workaholic, and controlling. And controlling. Yeah. I was thinking of myself in when I- Is intense? No, just with all of these things. And yeah. I mean, I've, I've kind of well, grown in certain areas and fluctuated over the years. Like, and I, I think I'm a recovered control freak or whatever yeah, you want, I know. Whatever, you, whatever you you want to call bad. it. You have gotten better. But I'm, I am definitely still intense. 
Okay, how to know if you're an intense person. When we're around certain do you people. Not, I think I know the number one. Do you not blink enough? No. Would that be... It seems really intense when you don't blink, though. <laughs> I mean, like, like, while you said that, you did not blink, and I was like, whoa, I'm going to step out. He's really he's intense. He's very intense right Wait. now. Okay, so when you're around certain people, it can feel like walking on thin ice. Intense people have a certain vibe that can feel like a lot. They can also come across quite strong in their opinions, but intense people are not as scary as they may seem. Being involved with an intense person means they will bring more transparency to the table so you don't need to wonder about the sincerity of what they say. They might seem a little dour at times, but they're actually a truly great ally to have. So like all of those things I've been told by my team are are true of me, and that's that's why at the end and like during you remember when we talked about during a past episode that we had that that team health exercise that we went through yes where of course you know like one of the things that i said that i was going to do in 2020 is kind of take some more time to sit down with everybody and get to know my entire team so i've got i actually subscribe to a piece of software and everything that's helping me manage all of my one-on-one I know I've meetings. been getting all those emails. Yeah, one of my one-on-one meetings and so that I could sit down with everybody in a more intense manner because like when I show up at work it's like I'm just running through that place and people are stepping out of my way and I do genuinely care about everybody but I just sometimes don't feel like I can take the time in order to make those connections with people so I'm trying to be deliberate about being less intense and maybe a little bit less intimidating. As far so as here, here are some qualities of an intense person. Besides you don't blink? <laughs> I do blink. They blink. A deep sincerity. Some people can say a lot without saying anything. Not you. You mean what you say and you say what you mean. Speaking with you often gets right to the heart of the matter at hand and you're not afraid to call things how you see them no matter what others may think. Interesting, huh? You can be moody. Your emotions and moods move like a pendulum, more like a pendulum than a deep lake. One day you may have a deep chat with somebody and the next day not even have the time of day for them, or maybe just not as much time as a day before. Your emotions tend to set your moods, which change often. You are easily invested in fictional characters. I don't know where that one's going. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Your heart is stitched to your sleeve. It says you own your emotions. You don't care who knows what you really feel and you don't hide them when it comes to expressing yourself, you're blunt. You use strong language. You tend to go into descriptive detail about how you feel rather than making a vague, generalized statement. You want to be as clear as possible and if strong language lets you express that, go for it. Again, it may rub others the wrong way, but don't mind it if it bothers them often. You make eye contact Direct eye contact can be intimidating, but you realize that it is a valuable part of clearly communicating yourself and giving the same respect to another person. You look people in the eye when dealing with them, which can make them feel vulnerable and creeped out. And I'm a little <laughs> creeped out. Yes, especially if he doesn't blink and he just stares at you like that. Yep. <laughs> Last two, you relish in meaningful conversations, which I don't think we need to go on that. And clingy has been used to describe you. Good stuff. I know this isn't really manufacturing-centric, but let me tell you, if I'm feeling these feelings, I know there's got to be other people out there in 
Well, there's a, probably some common like, traits here. Some, so most manufacturing leaders so would probably be more on the controlling, controlling intent. Yeah, don't delegate well, too much, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, right. absolutely. But at the end of the day, we're here to equip and inspire the metalworking nation, and we want to portray a healthy lifestyle. And if you, you're having any of these issues, it's good to take note of them and try to mitigate them and get better at what you do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. You say mitigate a lot, too. I do say mitigate a lot. Yep. I think I got that from you Yeah, about five I, years ago. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, That's kind of funny. So here's what I'm thinking. So you're self-aware as a manufacturing leader. Okay, I, I, I got to let go of some of this. I have to delegate. And you feel like you've given clear instruction to who you're delegating it to. I'm looking for this outcome. I'd like you for to do this because I'm looking for this outcome. And then they don't. Oh, and so, so what happens that, when so they... So then you maybe get more fearful and you feel more of that control freak syndrome where you're like, okay, well, I, I clearly just have to do this myself. Or I got to get rid of this person, but I don't have another place to, person to replace that with. You know, So how do you... How do you navigate that? Do do either of you have any advice for like well, if I you think can't delegate? I think it's, it's not like, working. I think it just comes down to taking small steps with everything. You know what I mean? Not everything can be accomplished overnight, and it, and it's even like for for those of us that are self aware on our flaws, you got to tackle those one by one too. So when we did this team health exercise that we talked about in a previous episode, all of the things that my team recommended for me to stop doing or start doing or the things that they admired about me the most, I wasn't going to tackle all of them. All at once. You know what I mean? Like, so that's where at the end of the exercise, one of the final things, which we actually didn't talk about during that episode, but for the Metalworking Nation to understand now, the final thing we did is that we said, okay, of all of these things that our team was transparent with us and they say, well, I... I want you to start or stop this thing. I chose one to do in 2020. And then you commit that to the And I committed right? to that one. Okay. I didn't commit to them all. I just committed to one. Yeah, because I remember doing this just amongst the three of us and, mm-hmm. and Jessica, our agency director. And, and, we, and we, we all committed guys to committed one thing. To do that. Yeah, yeah, I went through the whole process with and you guys. And all of us did. And yeah. I remember what I committed to. What did you commit to? To being patient and to taking some time before okay. sure. I express how I feel about a certain thing. Because I tend to be like, man, I can't believe this happened today. Yeah. And, so now I've got a 48-hour rule. I think about it for a couple of days. There you and go. Then, then I should. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. A 48-hour rule. Yeah. That's you have perfect. been calling me inventing to me a lot less than normal. So yeah. maybe you're actually doing uh, well, that. Well, so I wait the 48 Good. hours. Wow. See? That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah that's just one, awesome. one little area of improvement. Yeah, I, so you are self-aware and you're making improvements to yourself. Yeah. So Nick, I just will just tell you that I used to be a lot like that decades ago. And as you mature into... Jim's trying to say he's more mature than you. Well, I'm not saying mature. I'm just saying... He's what, decades more mature. (laughs) Years? Yes, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And that's okay. No, that's fair. That's okay. It's fair. You just just learn and you know what fits your demeanor better and through trial and error and hits and misses and wins and losses, I mean... Well, it's kind of like, yeah, so from from that standpoint, Jim, you've said to me, I like avoiding conflict, and that's who I am. I do. I and that's do. okay. I do try so to So you've accepted who you are. I like being intense. But I think this comes down to, as a manufacturing leader, you need to work on the soft skills, yes. too, of your leadership. And, huge. And I think reflecting on these things is, is really important if you're going to lead your company well. Jason, thank you for giving me the vision for the show structure. I appreciate it. I definitely know I'm going to make changes 
but I also know that I'm going to be making more chips because if you're not making chips, you're, you're not, not making, making money. money. Bam. Bam. Oh, excuse me, Jason. Hold on. I just got another text from Ryan from the shop. He's he's telling me that we got we've got to get a new finishing company or we're having problems with our finishing company you know i don't know what to do anymore i'm i'm going to give my friend tom james at zometry a call right now i've got some questions i i understand they're doing finishing services now through zometry through their partner network so i'm going to give hello Hey, Tom, it's Jim Carr from Making Chips. I just want to let you know that you're live on air now with Jason and I on the show. I got to tell you, Jason and I are here in the studio today, and we were recording, and my son Ryan, who is my operations manager at Car Machine, he just sent me a text, and you know he's having problems with our finishing companies that we're using here in the Chicagoland area. It's like their lead times keep going out further and further and further. And I thought, Interesting. yeah, well, and you know, we've got a really good relationship w- with Zometry already. And I just heard that you added a finishing division. That's right. We did a few months ago. Yeah. It's up and running now. It's going great. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about it and how, how you can help us? Yeah, so we so we launched something called Zometry Finishing Services a few months ago. It's essentially a network of about 20 finishers around the country. And we created this nifty RFQ tool where anybody who needs parts finished can upload an RFQ. They will get quotes from our certified finishing network, and they can award the jobs and transact right on the Zometry site. Moreover, they can also speak directly to the finishers that they want to work with even before they place the order and also after they place the order they can coordinate any post-purchase activities with those finishers awesome so let's say i've got some 6061 bars that need black anodized i just a simple single process black anodized finish yep w- would it be in my best interest to upload maybe a pdf print to your site and they can look at the specifications there and then get me that quote back or would i just call it in or what would be that process no so we have a nifty portal if you go to zometry.com and then you select finishing services you'll be guided towards this really quickly you can upload any type of file you want we do like pdfs if you have them but you can also upload solid models and any text that you want to fill out just to describe how many pieces you need, if there's any special requirements to the order, if you need masking, et cetera, et cetera. You can enter a lead time and you can also determine how long the finishers have to quote. You can close the quoting window or leave it open for as long as you want. For standard finishes, you will typically see a quote with, appear within two hours max. Two hours max. That's awesome. Two hours. Two hours max. Yep. And with standard lead times of about two days. We also have very reasonably priced expedite options okay. for for same day or next day delivery as well. Okay. Here's the thing. So let's say I'm using somebody here that's a local, and now I have to ship my parts. So that's going to add an extra day, right? And to the to the lead time is it, yeah yeah it does it does add extra it adds a little bit of extra time but what we're hearing across the market is actually the problem that you stated at the beginning of the conversation yeah. yep and that is we hear from our most of our customers in fact that over the last few years what they've observed is a contraction in capacity in the finishing industry overall 
meaning that even if they do have a local shop that they go to who used to be able to provide two-day, three-day turnarounds, that's no longer the case. They're now seeing one-week, two-week turnarounds, and I've even spoken to some folks that are backed up as long as six weeks. So even though you do have to take that little bit of shipping time into account with Zometry, what we offer is very quick quoting, very quick lead time turnaround once the parts arrive, and a vetted network that Zometry uses itself so you can be assured of the quality. So what about NADCAP and ITAR registered shops? Do you have those types of uh, partners that you're working with? We do indeed, and you can select those options when you submit your RFQ. So yeah, so we, we will be sure to send your parts to NADCAP certified finishers or or ITAR registered finishers if you require that. Yeah, a lot of our customers are high end like aerospace and mm-hmm. and they do require NADCAP certified finishing companies. What about mm-hmm. I'm sure then process certifications because we have to supply certifications of the of the particular finish that's been done. Yes, and those are those are standard. You just request that when you when you submit your RFQ. Okay. And of course, any military specs that you know are on my print would be something that I would I would need to show you. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, and as I said earlier in the conversation, there are several points in the RFQ submission process where you can call out those specs. What would be like if if there was a few processes? Let's say there's somebody like me that's hearing hearing this conversation for the first time, and they wanted to know. What kind of partnerships do you have best? What what are the what what's are the, the bread and butter? What is the bread and butter? What, <laughs> yeah, what do they do well? Because you know you want to start. I always say when I'm when I'm working with a new customer, we want to start this relationship slow. We want to date just a couple times before we you know get married. But we want to start the relationship slow, and we want to start. We want to do the first job. We want to do something that's really in our niche, so mm-hmm. we can make it absolutely perfectly pristine. Well, yeah, and you and you want to judge what you know. You'll probably have more experience with that, so you can judge the quality for sure. Yeah. So if if I can just get a give a bit of an overview. So we're very strong in multiple types of anodizing. So type two anodized, type three hard code, type three with PTFE. We can do titanium anodized. We can do multiple colors, and then in the metal plating spectrum, do both non-precious and precious metals. So electroless nickel, electrolytic nickel. Gold, silver, nickel, sulfamate, tin, zinc, zinc, nickel. It really runs the gamut. Sounds really good. Before I leave the studio, I'm going to get back on my device and and text my son and tell him to go to zometry.com and select the finishing module and uh, upload the prints so maybe we can get some um, advice from you guys how to mitigate some of these long lead times. So Yeah, and just just to help you find it when yeah. you go to Zomet- when you go to the zometry.com homepage, right. you'll see a list of all of the services we offer. Select finishing services. It's over on the bottom right-hand corner. You'll see finishing services. Just click there, and then you're one click away from submitting an RFQ. Sounds really good, Tom. Hey, I appreciate you taking my call. I know you're a busy man. I will give you some feedback on you know how it works <laughs> for us. So I appreciate you giving me this information, and have a good day. It's a pleasure chatting, and I look forward to that feedback. Thanks so much, Jim. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. As always... Thank you for listening to the Making Chips podcast. You need to increase the speed and feet of your business. If you're not elevating your manufacturing leadership, you're going to get left behind. The metalworking nation is committed to a new way to stay ahead of the competition. We have more content to help you make and elevate at makingchips.com. 
gain access to exclusive content, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you. We'll see you next time.